I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 329 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast. How's it going, gentlemen? It's pretty good. It's been two weeks since our last confession. Yeah, we took a week off. Why did we take a week off? Because Jim was traveling. Oh, yeah. Jim was in the same city as Riff. Yeah. Did they see each other? Only Jim can tell us. Uh, or Riff. I, yeah, we, I, we did, I, but I, not I for the podcast. <laughs> oh. Did you guys have fun? I, I would imagine. Yeah, it's it cool. <laughs> what what what'd you do? Uh, we went uh, to a comic book shop, and I just stared at all the people who read comics. Um, okay. Okay. And then we went to Ground Control and stared at all the people who will be drinking in a few hours because it was like two p.m. Okay. I did mean, you, that was, did that you was, consider that was either reading some reading some comic books and or playing some video games? Uh, not really. I don't really consume okay. media. <laughs> did you uh, Did you pull any teeth or get any blood from a stone <laughs> over the course of this story? Hey, <laughs> uh, uh, Riff, you say something funny. Oh, dang. Don't put me on the spot like that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we were at ground control mainly because they had, like, well, I was about to say chairs, but they're not really chairs so much as padded boxes. But they had right, things yep. you could sit on because we wanted to sit and talk about the work stuff that we're doing for a bit. Yeah, but we also talk talked about, about like, that. we also talked about, like, the musculature of the battle toads because oh, they yeah, kept being true. shown to us. Who, uh, what, what was the context for you seeing the muscles of the toads? Uh, it was, uh, like it a, was an, like an, like, like an LCD screen panel in the side of the thing that we were sitting next to that I guess was for like menus or whatever, except it also it, it, occasionally had this ad featuring the battle toads ad for an upcoming event at that place, I think. And was it like a, like an I mean, not that you can see muscles on an X-ray, but was it was it like a slim good body? Except it was slim toad battle. No, it was just uh, an, uh, an it was an illustration of a, a number of battle toads, but unusually like defined muscles on their legs and bodies in the artwork. I see. Were they veiny and awful like a horse? Yeah, kinda. I would say they're more veiny and awful like a bodybuilder. Hmm. Uh, that's kind of the same way in which horses are gross. I believe that. <laughs> they're also I think I see gross more horses have, than bodybuilders. So. <laughs> oh yeah, do horses have gross knees? Oh, they're so weird, man. They're like double hinged, like the cover of a hardback book. Hmm. So are horses uh, the opposite of bees in that their knees are a way that you would uh, compare <laughs> something horrible? All right, I'm I'm looking up horse knees now. right now. Oh yeah! Look at uh, that what shit. You- All right, I'm holding this picture up to the microphone. Yeah, what? Do you- <laughs> Thank you. That's pretty gross. Well, in, like, I'll, I'll, uh- in 20 years, when they figure out how to decode the visuals of the of every room that was recorded in a uh, in an audio stream, that will be meaningful. That's right. They'll be well, able to uh, read your social security is- number right off of your retinal pattern. <laughs> it would it would be especially impressive if like the image on the screen was somehow decodable. Like, because this is a flat phone. It's, it's the same flat uh, shape, no matter what's de- being depicted. 
Well, but it's, I'm sure that there's a different uh, audio signature for each pixel being illuminated, right? Like, oh, I see. Yeah. And it might, it might be encoded into this podcast at what, 64 kilobits per second? Yep. That's a lot of information. I mean, that's more information than, you know, one minute of this podcast has more data than the entire library of Alexandria. And that was so much knowledge that people were really sad when it was on fire. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, God <laughs> oh, knows man. how much knowledge imagine, is contained in this one minute. Imagine how sad it would be if someone set this podcast on fire. It would be like 60 to 80 times as sad. I mean, would that not imply that I mean, you'd have to just individually set each of us on fire i think and i that would make me sad yeah me too i'd be sad for you riff oh thank you i'd be sad for yeah. you too i guess oh <laughs> i've been working a lot in my garage and crawl spaces so i'm probably mostly asbestos at this point is your so, garage uh, just crawl spaces uh, uh mm, in a way <laughs> if uh if walking counts as crawling, then anything is a crawl space. <laughs> I guess um, for a baby, everywhere is a crawl space. Um, the yeah, I I uh, I, f- I I discovered a, a secret area in my house, and now it has a floor. <laughs> uh, uh, before it just had a lot of dirt. I was thinking of some counterexamples to the. Uh everywhere being a crawl space if you're a baby okay uh underwater is probably i was just gonna not. say the ocean and and the sky well, but if, the sky is not a crawl right but space. what i said was if walking is crawling then yes every place is a crawl space but if walking is crawling then swimming is also crawling i think <laughs> basically my statement was like if nothing means anything then fucking whatever riff good point <laughs> um what about what about freezing to death in the vacuum of space? Wait, I wouldn't describe freezing to death as a space, right? Like the it's no the vacuum I'm just, of space. I'm just, is all the I'm space. saying is that's also crawling. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. Yes. Uh, I saw the new Avengers movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Should we just spoil it? I don't know. It's probably not. Does a purple man get all the gems? Uh, he's trying to get all the gems in the movie. You're thinking of Eggman getting the Chaos Emeralds. Oh. I thought, uh, oh, is, is Eggman an eggplant? No, he's just named after eggs. Okay. So Eggman is the, like, the vil- is the Bowser in Sonic? Uh, yeah. Also known as Dr. Robotnik. Oh, Dr. Robotnik and Eggman are the same person? They're the same man. Is Eggman what? his, like, Clark Kent persona? Uh, he's his Japanese persona, non-localized Japanese persona. Like how uh, Bowser is named King Koopa. Wait, no. I think he's named Koopa in Japan and King Koopa in Super Mario Brothers, and then Bowser in the later games. But Bowser and King Koopa are two names that one entity could conceivably have. Right, right? like Eggman like, and Dr. Robotnik. His name is Eggman Robotnik. Oh, Eggman Robotnik. I see. Okay. okay. Or so I assume. All right, there you go. Because <laughs> if he was Mr. Robotnik, it'd be like, no, no, Dr. Robotnik is my father. 
That's right. All right, all right, all right. Tell me about, tell us, pour this sweet, sweet Avengers spoilers right into my ears. Uh, are we doing this? Are we doing some spoilers? that uncle used to kill his dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just told him the plot of the Avengers and how they were. We should probably decide and say, actually, without joking, that we're going to do it if we're going to do it, because somebody would be mad. Does anybody- I don't think we need to do it. Yeah, it's it's not. Can you talk about it without? Can you talk about it and say the things that you need to say about it, uh, Mr. Simmons, without spoiling? I I had spent uh, a good portion of the previous few weeks um, sort of catching up on old Avengers movies, and while there was some benefit to like knowing sort of all of the minutia of all of the Avengers stuff, and I I was actually I was actually pleased with how much sort of fans not fan service i guess how much how much like foreshadowing there was and how many callbacks there were that were just went over my head the first time i saw the avengers movies but i caught when i sort of watched them all in sequence um i i feel like it was maybe not worth doing having seen (laughs) the uh the new avengers movie um, I think they did a very good job with it. It was like technically a very technically a good film. Uh, the story itself is is potentially divisive. I think amongst viewers and fans. That's about as much as I can say without uh, spoiling stuff. I think. I saw a movie called The Endless. Uh, which is, it seems like it's playing in a pretty limited run. I looked it up on Wikipedia and it, uh, it, it, it launched last year at the Tribeca Film Festival and its total box office was listed as like $140,000. Uh, so I don't, and it's only playing in like one matinee show a day at the Alamo Draft House, but, uh, it was very good. It's, um, it's a low budget, I guess, kind of sci fi. It's not, well, it's, does sci fi have to be in the future? Um, it isn't hmm. magical realism because I'm pretty sure the people who made it didn't originally make it in Spanish. Uh, but it's just sort of like a it's not really a horror movie either. It's just kind of like it's kind of like Primer. It reminds me of Primer in a lot of ways in that, like, it's just some people that you've never heard of uh, acting in a story that was written and directed by the the people who play the main characters. Uh, and it's about these brothers who uh, had been in a cult in the nineties and they decide present day to like go back and see how things are going for the old cult out in the old desert. And when they get there, all the people in the cult are still the same age that they were when the guys left, uh, which that's basically what the preview shows is that happening. And, uh, yeah, then they, they uncover the sort of Lovecraftian mystery of this particular region of desert. And it was very, very, very good. And I would highly recommend that anyone who listens to this podcast seek that movie out and see it if you can. Yeah, that sounds great. For what it's worth, I would say that Primer is sci-fi, even though it was set in 2000, maybe four. Yeah. This doesn't have it. This doesn't. I mean, I think Primer, I agree with you, is sci-fi because it has a bunch of technology that doesn't really exist, but as a sort of extrapolation of things that could exist, whereas this is just... I feel weird calling it fantasy because there are no wizards. But right. but aren't there fantastical elements? There are fantastical elements. So, I mean, I guess it is fantasy in the strictest definition, but I wouldn't say, oh, I went and saw this great fantasy movie. Could it be science fantasy? Yeah, maybe it's science fantasy. 
There's a science be, fantasy what uh, Star Wars was. The, hmm. There should be a name for the genre that doesn't spoil the nature of the mystical stuff. Oh, yeah. Like how all the advertising for uh, Dust Till Dawn fucked up the twist. Oh, mm. shit, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had not seen any of that and didn't know anything about it other than that it was... I didn't know anything about it, so I didn't actually know that there was a twist to it, which yeah, I thought was... that's that's great. the way to see it, if possible, but... <laughs> yeah. Difficult. I bet that movie does not hold up. Yeah, yeah, probably not. I don't not. know. I don't know. But why wouldn't it? I, I don't know. Just the idea of, like, the fact that the movie contains a scene where Cheech Marin is just listing all the different kinds of <laughs> pussy he can think of. <laughs> like, I'm guessing it's probably not great. Well, so wait, do, I mean, do, do you think that uh, Forrest Gump doesn't hold up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It's <laughs> for the exact same reason. It does not hold up. <laughs> Did that did from Dust Till Dawn come out after Forrest Gump? Do you think that was a joke about Bubba? Oh, huh. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> hey Jim, what uh, what are all the browser game developers angry about this week? <laughs> oh, um, apparently there's a new update to Chrome where it changes the audio API so that you need to explicitly query whether it's okay to play sound and the user has to say yes. And so anything that is from the past where that change didn't exist just won't ever play sound. I, when I found out that that's what the actual sort of problem was, I was a little bit annoyed with everybody that I had been listening to talking about this on Twitter for the previous three or four days as though it just fundamentally broke every video game ever. Like, no, just just the ones in the past, just the ones that no, are but, not actively being maintained. But it doesn't make it so you can't play them. It makes it so they just play but don't have sound, right? Which is, yeah, I think a pretty. Di- it still sucks. Don't get me wrong, uh-huh. but I think it is a pretty different thing that you would not, if you were coming from an honest rhetorical spot describe the way that everyone who was talking about it was describing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I got, I got a little annoyed with the discourse. I think there. that's fair. But, but yeah. I also feel like there were so many better ways to handle this than what they did. Yeah, that does seem like kind of a bonehead maneuver if you want things to be in any way backwards compatible. Right. I, and this is something I that... I think it was... Well, go on. I, that is Andy McClure that tweeted about how computers and the internet in general are just a constantly on fire library of Alexandria that we're just all struggling to drag books into wings that aren't on fire. Right. Right. And I can think of two exceptions to that. One is uh, the Windows platform uh, where Microsoft has actually worked really hard to maintain backwards compatibility as much as possible. Um to the extent that you still can, you can still run games from 20 years ago on a modern version of Windows. Uh, yeah, and also th- there's that video that I'll link to in the show notes if I haven't before, or even if I have before, like the guy that started from DOS 1.0 and just upgraded yep. all the way from DOS 1.0 <laughs> to Windows 10. 
Yeah, yeah. And it just worked. That is and he a kept, really good thing. He kept about playing Windows. certain things each time, right? To make sure that like they would work. Yeah. In each. System. Yeah, like Doom, he just would run do the same Doom executable every time or whatever post. Um, and the other was the, yeah. the Flash platform, which until recently was similar. Like you could run a Flash thing from you know 1999, it would still run perfectly in the modern version of Flash. And this may be why like it was such a security nightmare because it had every version of Flash in it for the past 20 years. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, like out if you leave those two ecosystems then it is just like anything older than a few years old is just not going to run like apple has never given a shit about backwards compatibility in mac os oh, yeah. and they've actually made it's, it like it's a it's awful i mean they do for right. a little while like every 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 system like they had like classic back classic what they called classic compatibility mode or whatever for a while but eventually they it's like they assume okay you've had enough time time to dump right. this now right right and like i think you could make the argument that they've made that like part of their business model for the iphone hmm. the, the thing that makes me the saddest about both well really in all everything flash uh the web uh like games are not and have never been the problem right advertisements have always been the problem yep. and more and more intrusive and more and more malicious yep. advertisements mm-hmm. that that make that you know that create a very real responsibility in the platform holders or you know it's also weird because like a web browser like i should feel exactly the same way about chrome that i feel about youtube which is that, well, this is somebody else's platform. They can do whatever the fuck they want with it. So you just cannot trust it. And you should have known that from the beginning. I don't feel that way about Chrome, but I think that is just because I'm an idiot. Well, Chrome is so Chrome is and Safari are both so tied to their respective phone platforms that they effectively own the web and how the web is displayed. So like, I think there's a strong argument to, to be made that they have some sort of moral responsibility to be a good steward of the platform. Uh, but they both have serious conflicts of interest. Like I had tweeted about how I, the pretty much the same thing you just said that like a better way to deal with unwanted sound on websites would be to block ads by default. Um, but Google would never do that because they run ads. That's where they make most of their money. Right. And there are other reasons not to do it, but like that's actually the reason they're not doing it. I don't think I believe your conspiracy theory about Apple specifically killing Flash uh, so that free games wouldn't compete with games on the App Store. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that that level of intentionality was ever there with any given person. But you're definitely right about everything being driven by ad revenue, just because. Uh, because there's no good uh, business model for doing anything on the internet. Right. So everything has to fall back to shitty ads. The ads are only as secure as the the sort of least trustworthy actor creating yeah. them. Yeah, and I was thinking about, like, if... This is just like kind of a thought, hy- a thought experiment. Like, what would happen if all web browsers ran ad block by default? And what would... I think what would start to happen is that uh, 
we'd move more towards a product placement style of advertising where the ads are just directly uh, grafted right into the content. Yeah. Um, Which like that reminds me of how well I slept last night on my Casper mattress. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like, for example, yeah. And I think that like that is kind of gross for other reasons, but it does solve the problem of at like people running ads where they have no idea what the what's going to show up in their user's browser and it could be some malware like you're not like that in business model it, it in requires that the person running the ad uh knows very clearly what ad it is i mean i know that everyone will scream at me for suggesting this but what if every time you went to a web page it cost one tenth of one cent. Yeah, I, that would also that would also solve this problem. I, I would I would try that. I would see how that feels. One tenth of one percent plus one tenth of a cent plus fifty cents credit card transaction fee. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. There's not a good mo- right right. Yeah. I mean, you can't take the the idea of like. It would be interesting to me. Maybe one of our listeners knows. Is there like? a technology history podcast that has like a deep dive hour long, say episode on where, like, how did we get to where we are with credit cards? Like, what is the history of credit cards? Oh yeah. That'd be interesting. But I'm guessing, you know, the fact that the web can't possibly charge for stuff because of that 50 cent transaction fee is the sort of finance equivalent of the reason this bolt on the space shuttle is this size is because the width of a horse's dick or whatever. <laughs> like that story. about <laughs> They use a horse stuff to, back to, to turn the bolt. Yeah. Roman it's... wagons. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that sucks. I feel like something like uh, what Patreon does, where they they um, aggregate the charges into a single monthly charge, and are thankfully continuing to do that instead of changing to a different model. Um, something like that would be the way to do it, the way to approach it. Uh, but that would require like everybody to trust uh, a bunch of centralized uh, services that that gather the that handle the money, and it would be a big step. I would argue that believing in money enough to actually use it already requires uh, trusting a bunch of centralized services. Yeah, it's but just we, that we're so accustomed. Uh, yeah, to well, and we already do it, and we'd have to do it twice. <laughs> and that's that's harder than doing it once. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those things. Like if you if you pitched the idea of a gas station now and gas stations didn't already exist, everyone would be appalled at the level of danger. <laughs> I thought about that because of somebody somebody also tweeted like if if public libraries didn't exist and you pitch the idea of a public library it would get just torn to shreds by conservatives as being just like this socialist utopian bullshit. Yep. Right. And I thought the same thing about driving cars <laughs> except in the opposite direction. <laughs> <clears throat> when are we going to ban uh, cars? I don't know. We I think we just banned uh, self-driving cars because of that homeless lady that got hit in Phoenix. Yeah, I. That's something that is a shame and was almost inevitable. And yeah, but also, also like that's the only way you can make driving cars work is by testing it out in the field, and people are going to get hurt in the process. So like, yeah, 
I, I, I would make an argument and, that, that like driving cars once they are working are, um, a big ethical win over humans, no, absolutely. human operated machinery in general. Pe- people just aren't going to feel like that though, right? Like, especially I'm not guessing, at first, like in the, in the rough early. Yeah. yeah. And I don't even think it is that rough. I, I'm guessing that the number of miles that have been driven by self-driving cars compared to that one fatality that has happened is dwarfed by the number of fatalities per mile driven by humans. But like nobody thinks that way except actuaries and actuaries are no fun at parties. And so people don't, <laughs> people don't want I, to listen I, to that. I wonder if like, like I had thought that too. And then uber didn't make an announcement to that effect and now i doubt it because surely they would have said so if it were the case if actually you don't i mean parties. you don't think that they would have just get, given up ahead of time well maybe i don't know knowing that it wouldn't help i mean because i think that there was nothing that they could say that made th- like they could not come up there and say uh you know actually the thing about this is because that would have just gotten them torn a new asshole yeah, that's probably true. I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about video games? Speaking of autonomous, uh, autonomous things whose only goal is to kill humans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. What have you been playing, Kevin? Uh, a variety of things. Um, I took some notes. Um, uh, Several people had sort of sent me a link to this game called Out of Bounds, which is a puzzle script game oh, uh, yeah, by yeah. Tree Studio. Um, and it's kind of a neat take on uh, the whole like puzzle script Sokoban style game where um, you have like a defined playable space, sort of like a little maze that you're in, but you can, in certain areas, go outside of that space and then manipulate the the shape of the interior of the space by pushing parts around of it, parts yeah, of it around from like, outside. Like like the rooms themselves are crates that you can push around, and sometimes yeah. those rooms have crates in them that you can separately push around. Yeah, it's kind it's, of meta. it's very it's clever like, and and fun, and gets very complicated yeah, by the end. Super hard. Yeah. Um, That's kind of a nice thing about puzzle script games is that they can explore a new like sliding block puzzle mechanic and no one expects them to be long enough that it wears out its welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then the, but also no one would ever pay even one tenth of one cent for one. (laughs) People have, have tried to sell puzzle script games before you can, you could uh, package them as like iOS apps. And I saw at least one, that was on the iPhone, hmm. st- like iOS store for 99 cents, uh, which I thought was great. Uh, I don't know if they made any money, but uh, the idea is viable at least. Um, which reminds me a little bit. Uh, did we, I forget if we talked about this already, the, the Baba is you thing. Did we talk about that on the show? Which thing? The, Where somebody, oh, the thing just, that it was, someone made a clone. Oh, jeez, Yeah. Like not, and not even like a, a fast follow with a different name and slightly different art or whatever. They just literally took the game called Baba is you got Baba is you.com the website and then made an Android and an iOS version of the, like the, the student, uh, like 
the what was it? It was like a game jam version of the game. Oh, okay. And then I was I was gonna of, say, did they actually have <clears throat> the game somehow? I didn't know there was they just had the, they just had that original sort of demo that that was like submitted to the IGF or whatever you know like a year ago, and they just started selling it, and everybody was. Well, they just, didn't even clone it. They just sold the game as as was as it I was think a they year had ago. To, uh, I think they had to rebuild it because it was. I don't think there was some like they didn't have the 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 original assets or whatever. Uh, but they just yeah they but they literally just remade it and started selling it on on iOS and Android and were like the the author didn't want to work with us so what were we supposed to do? And everyone <laughs> yeah. was like, not do this. Yeah. Like, in the U.S., at least, it's super against the law. I think they were they were they were French, and so I have no idea what what the French laws are like. But I can't imagine that they're permissive enough that you can just steal somebody else's yeah. work and publish it as your own. Um, no, but luckily, I'm sure they just immediately surrendered as soon as they were threatened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that's, anyway. that was a couple of weeks old news. I just uh, was reminded of it by the the whole. Puzzle Did that eventually uh, get resolved? I don't know. I haven't looked back in on it. Uh, we should. We should. I think it must have gotten taken down because Cable Sasser stopped being angry about it on Twitter, and he was pretty <laughs> relentlessly angry about it on Twitter until. Because I mean, I like it, it, he was actually taking pretty significant steps to try to get it dealt with. Oh That's, yeah, Cable himself was. I believe so. That's great. Champion of the of the the downtrodden. Uh, and the other game I spent some time playing uh, was a game that is just in very early stages at this point. Um, it's called Kine. It's by um, a woman named Gwen Fry. Um, or Gwen Frey, sorry. Uh, and how, do you, how do you spell that? The game? K-I-N-E. Okay. Uh, there's been a couple of sort of uh, trailer announcements of it. Um, so you can, you can look it up online and, and see sort of what it is. It's a uh, <clears throat> it is a grid-based puzzle game, uh, but it's rendered in 3D, um, and you the, the the goal is pretty simple. You're just getting your little robot character from the start to the end, from the beginning to the end of, of the little space, uh, but it's compounded. It's sort of the, the puzzly bit is that you are um, an oddly shaped robot, uh, and navi- navigating the space is non-trivial because you can't, like, you can't fit when you sort of rotate your body, you like there are walls in the way and stuff like that. Um, you you have these long, rigid arms. So like your the, the the center of your robot body is like you know just a one by one by one square um, or cube. Sorry, uh, but you have these like long, rigid arms that extend out, and you can't roll in the direction of an arm. But you can like usually uh, get it onto the other side of your body, uh, sort of with a transformation sort of move. Um, and then there are places where you have to use the fact that you have these arms in very clever ways to get over gaps and stuff like that. It's, um, it's just super clever. It's, it's like a, it's a really neat and novel take on one of these like sort of Sokobani type puzzles. Um, it's cool to me that you're like, you aren't manipulating the environment. You're like not moving boxes around or whatever. You're, you're just reshaping and reorienting yourself to move through the level. Um, and then, it starts to get really interesting when you have multiple of these little robots with different kinds of uh, transformations and base shapes um, that are sort of in the level at the same time. So you have to that you using them to sort of help bridge gaps for the other ones and stuff like that. It's it's great. Um, 
So it's still sort of very alpha at this point. It is not not yet available anywhere, um, but it's really neat. That's cool. It can, like the way that you're describing it, it kind of reminds me of like a like a first person version of those levels in dysphoria where you're the weird shaped piece trying uh-huh. to get through the gap in the wall. Yeah. I mean, it's not first person. I mean, it is still like third person. Oh, oh, okay. Perspective. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. That's, that's kind of interesting. It's been a long time. When's it, when's it out? Like how is it? You I have know, no someday? idea. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. I have. No, I don't know what any kind of timeline there is for for its release. It's a. It's like a side project because um, uh, she's part of the um, molasses flood company. They made the flame and the flood, and they are just starting uh, work on a new project as well. So, yeah. What about uh, what, what about you, you Jim? Uh, did you say Jim? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, uh, I actually, uh, did continue to play, um, human resource machine. I ended up finishing it. Um, and it turns out like it's, it, the puzzles never get like more interesting thematically, but they also like stay fairly like I was worried about, you know, dealing with hundreds of instructions in this terrible editor. Um, but the puzzles never get more complicated than like 20 or 30. On the other hand, there is a uh, puzzle in there in the, the final puzzle in the optional puzzles is like, um, is to factor a prime, um, in an instruction set that has no divide instruction. So that's, uh, and, and also no like subroutine instruction. So like, <laughs> that's a nightmare. Um, but it was, it, it was, you know, pretty fun, uh, diversion for, you know, if you, if you are into programming and assembly and you want to do a little bit of that without like actually programming and assembly. Um, and I played, uh, Mad Max, uh, the, the game that was released around the same time as, uh, the Mad Ma- the most recent Mad Max movie that I forget the name of. Fury, Fury Road. Road. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> was not actually adap- an adaptation of it. Um, and so it's, it's got some of the same, uh, the same kind of visual design. Um, but it's not trying to be the same story at all. So I've, I've, so for example, I have seen no women in this game so far. Isn't it um, like an open world kind of game? Yes, but I haven't gotten to the open world part yet. It's all been fairly linear so far. Huh. Uh, okay. but, but it does have like all the, it, it's, it's got all the systems that you'd expect in an open world game or the, rather by, by all the systems, I mean the, the, the breadth of systems. Um, there's like eight different upgrade trees. Um, and I don't understand most of them. Uh, and so like, I, I am kind of faced with the same problem that I faced with the Witcher, which is like, I don't know if I care enough about this game to, uh, to learn all these systems well enough to play it. Um, 
And unfortunately, it's not quite written well enough, like The Witcher was, to, to pull me along on that, um, uh, on that merit. So I'm not sure I'm going to play much more of it. Uh, but it does seem to be generally well made. Uh, it's by the same folks who made, uh, the Just Cause series. So, and, and it definitely has some, like, seemingly, like, my, my, uh, me extrapolating on what the game is going to end up being like, it seems like it's gonna lead in the same direction of, uh, that Just Cause did, which is to say, like, you're in, you have this very, um, loose framework of a story, um, that's basically just an excuse to run around blowing shit up for a hundred hours, which works really my, well. My impression of that was really that I wish, I wish Mad Max had started like that. And I don't know if it's ever going to get there. And if it did, I would love it. Right. Like if it was, how far did you play? Maybe three hours. That's yeah. I'm probably like two. Um, and I don't know, like it, it as far as I can tell, there's nothing stopping me from like just driving off somewhere and blowing shit up. So like maybe I can just do that. But so far the game kind of seems to want me to do these story missions. I'd be curious. The waypoint uh, podcast that's like uh, Austin Walker and Daniel, R- Daniel Riendo and Patrick Klepek and Rob Zachney do occasional episodes where they just all play some older game and talk about it. Yeah. Like a book and club. Mad Max. Yeah. And Mad Max is coming up on that. If it hasn't already, it's coming out pretty soon. I've I've seen them talking about it on Twitter. Yeah, it makes uh, sense. The, the reason I'm playing it is that it was um, on PlayStation Plus last month, I think. Aha, uh-huh. okay. So anybody who's subscribed to that has it. Well, could have had it. <laughs> Since well, we have to well, you, download those. You, you do have to go... You have to go actually push the button. You're right. Yeah. That sucks. That you have to push the button? That it works that way. Instead of uh, yeah, automatically I mean, putting them on your downloads list? Yeah. I, I well, no, want- letting you download... Like, if you if you would have gotten this for free at a time when you were subscribed to the service, yeah. why wouldn't they just let you... De- like? That's what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, well, I, they, want you to, they want you to keep checking back in, right? Like, Yeah, that, that might be it, yeah, that they want to keep you engaged... Um, Wait, why do they? Why would they rather you pay for it and use it than pay for it and not use it? You know, <laughs> I be- maybe because if you don't, if you didn't push the button, then you have to go buy it and they get more money. Okay, yeah, okay. Like I, there might it. It feels like the sort of thing where like there are sometimes you'll see this on on like online shopping carts that you can't see the price of something until you put it in your cart and that's because of some like contractual issue with the with the seller like that i and i I don't remember like what this maps to analogously in retail it makes a little bit more sense i think uh but that, that this is what the courts decided that's if you have to do such and such at retail this is what you have to do in an online cart in an online context um and it could be something like ridiculous like that. Like you have to like the, the contract with the game developer maybe requires that the user need to purchase it 
even if they're only purchasing it by going through the motions of putting it in the cart and checking out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there are reasons. Anything else? Uh, that's that's it. What about you, Riff? Uh, I played a couple of non-video type games. Um, I uh, eventually, after a couple of weeks, managed to solve a puzzle called a Revo Maze. Have you heard of those? It, Is that the one where it's like a like a cylinder with a little smaller cylinder inside yeah. that's very difficult to get out? Yeah, it's like uh, it's about it's a metal cylinder about the about the size and and shape and heft of a hand grenade, um, with like an an outer sleeve that is uh, anodized in in a color to so you can distinguish the different puzzles from one another, and uh, and then the uh, the inner sort of rod is just steel and it's it's uh, it's all steel so it's heavy as hell it's like two or two and a half pounds i guess um but the it the um the inner cylinder has uh, a a maze etched into it and then inside the outer sleeve there's like a pin like a spring-loaded pin and so you're you're turning and turning this uh rod and pushing it in and out to try and navigate this maze uh, until until you get to the point where, you know, the maze is solved and you can pull the rod all the way out, and then there's like a a another pin that comes out that lets you pull an inner rod out of that rod, and there's like a little certificate inside that says, "Yeah, you solved it." Um, I remember watching a video of some German guy demonstrating how one of these things worked, and there are there in the one that you did, are there like traps where yeah. if you take a wrong turn it will trigger something that makes it that, so you have to restart that, that is the thing that makes it difficult because in in addition to having you know branching paths like a maze does there are also deeper trenches carved into it where if if the pin drops into that trench then you're stuck in there and have to follow the trench back to the beginning of the maze where it has like a little ramp that pushes the pin back up to the the maze part and yeah so that's that's what makes it difficult because you get it you get a lot of situations where like the path that you want to take is is basically a cliff like running along the edge of the trench so you have to you have to get onto it cautiously and 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 work it very slowly the the one i solved which was like the beginner one has like a full-on tightrope type section like near the end that was a real maddening bit of business <laughs> um yeah it's, and you it's, do all this uh, blind right like you can't see yeah what's it's going totally on. blind you can't see what's going on in there you 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 have to well i th i guess you could just write down a physical map but but you are essentially like uh like mentally mapping this space as you travel through it it's kind of like like picking a lock it has that really nice sort of tactile because you can like because you're like feeling the vibration of the of the pin moving down the track and and oh there's you feel that that very slight like sideways motion that means there's maybe a side path here and you go back and check that and yes there is a side path here and you're jiggling the rod in and out to try and 
to try and touch both sides of a of a path as you're going down it to see the things and doing everything very slowly so that you don't fall off into a trench and it's actually kind of hard on the fingers and wrists i can't recommend it to anybody that suffers of rsi because the 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 twisting and pushing and and tension as you're like trying to move this thing in like sub millimeter increments it's uh, it gets rough it actually in the little instruction card it comes with it's it recommends that you play it frequently but not for very long at a time <laughs> so but uh but yeah it's it's uh it's a cool thing they're kind of expensive because you're buying two and a half pounds of precision milled steel but um yeah but they're cool you have to order them like from from Europe or England or something right yeah like, the guy the US guy who base. makes them is in yeah the guy who makes them is in the UK yeah. I think the one I bought was something like 150 pounds I want to say Jeez. so whatever that converts That's... into yeah that was my big expenditure for like the month and a half <laughs> Uh, so like, the other what, thing, seven, I, seventy-eight kilograms or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's if you can get a hold of one, I recommend it. It's it's a it's an interesting thing and compelling. Um, the other thing I did was I played some of I played like the first two of three scenarios that come with the uh, Arkham Arkham Horror card game. I think that's the name of it. It is a card game with the Arkham Horror theme made by Fantasy Flight Games, so I assume it's called the Arkham Horror card game. Um, but uh, but that is pretty cool. And is that a solo play kind of a th- kind of a thing? Yeah, it, it 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 can be. It's like the it's one of those. Uh, uh, what do they call them? I think, do they call them living card games now? It's a thing that's like a collectible card game, except you buy a box and that box has all the cards in it. Yeah. yeah. And, and then that's they like issue net, expansions. Net or whatever. Yeah. So, the Wait, so why do they call that living? I'm not sure. <laughs> because it's, okay. it's, it's just what, it's just what Fantasy Flight patented for their, like, re-releasing old CCGs. Mm. Oh, like oh, Netrunner isn't dead Net, anymore. Like Netrunner, Netrunner is a living card game. Like it's the uh, the basically the core set comes with enough cards to build two decks, so, and then if you if you buy another core set, then you can you can play with up to four players. Uh, but they 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 tuned it pretty well for for single player. Like a lot of single player or a lot of. A lot of games that you can play single player are either like only technical single player because they're fully cooperative. So you can play as many hands as you need to at once, or the single player is kind of an afterthought. But this one is, it's fully like tuned that you can play solo just playing one character. There's, there's a lot of stuff in it that, uh, like the, the number of hit points an important monster has will frequently be X per player and things like that and uh the 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 downside of playing single play single character solo is that you don't get your character ends up without like a comprehensive list of abilities and stats like if your guy is good at punching but not so good at 
I don't know, scholarly pursuits, <laughs> then you can't make, then you're not making up for that by playing also a scholar character. But, um, it has a sort of dynamic difficulty as well, because like the randomization, the, the, the game, the, the main, like, uh, I guess mechanic, the, the conflict resolution mechanic is that is a skill test where your character has four stats and a skill test is in a stat. So you have that character's skill, which is like from two to probably four, maybe five. And then you get some more points based on what cards your character has in play. Like a gun might be worth plus one fist. Um, and then you're drawing tokens from a, to, for the randomization, you're drawing tokens from a bag and those tokens have like minus one or plus one or plus two or minus four. And so it offers different difficulty settings because it gives you a wide range of possible tokens that you could put in that bag. So if you want an easier game, you can take out one of the minus twos and replace it with a plus one, for instance. Uh, so you can, hmm. you can, customize the difficulty in that way and it it comes with like every um i think every uh not scenario every cam every campaign comes with a list of like here are the four suggested difficulty settings for this campaign but i don't see any reason why you couldn't further tweak them if you wanted so uh but that's that's pretty cool. It plays out. It's kind of similar to the Pathfinder adventure card game in that you've got uh, cards that are locations that your character is moving around between, and you have uh, different tasks that you need to perform. Uh, but in, whereas the Pathfinder card game had an entire deck of cards for each location, uh, this one just has a single deck of cards for all locations. Uh, to pull from so which makes it like it's it's a little bit less flavorful in that regard but it's also quite a bit cheaper and uh, less fiddly and less cumbersome to store so that's that's uh i don't know i fall on the side of that being cooler and uh, it's uh cool yeah it's 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 a good thing i think they they kind of missed some opportunities for uh, like story content because the, the story content that you get is like the, the, you get a paragraph in, in the scenario guide for read this before you start and read this for read one of these three paragraphs, depending on whether you win or lose or something else. And there, there are a few cards that like between, four and eight cards per scenario that are like the, the sort of scenario milestones as your investigation progresses or as the curse or whatever progresses. Uh, but other than that, everything is kind of generic because, you know, it's your, it's your, this, this deck of cards that has to be useful for a, a fair number of scenarios. Um, uh, but I feel like there, there's one of the main mechanics is that the, the usual way that your characters progress through an investigation is by getting clue tokens off of the locations, uh, by making, uh, investigation checks. And the clue tokens don't, 
they don't actually describe what the clue is or what information your character is gaining by doing this. Uh, I feel like they could have, like, in the scenario book, they could have said, read this paragraph of text when you get the first clue from the library. Read this one when you get the second clue from the library. And, and that would have been an easy opportunity to put a lot more flavor into the thing. Uh, so I feel like that was kind of a squandered chance. But, you know, other than that, it's pretty good. It's a pretty breezy game. It's fun to play. So I, I would recommend that. Although the, uh, uh, if you want to, if you want to play a lot of it, it's the, the cost is going to stack up because obviously the, the core set only comes with like three missions and everything else is expansions, expansions. But that's now how, how many expansions are there? That's, that's games these days. There that I know of, there are two additional box sets, which are I think about thirty bucks, twenty-five to thirty bucks each, and those I think have roughly the same amount of cards as the core set and provide like a few more characters and a bunch more character cards to, to flesh out your decks with and scenario cards for, I think like three missions. And then each of those two boxes also has, uh, six more decks that you can, or six more packs that you can buy that are like 15 bucks each. And those are, those are each another mission, I believe. And, right. and so, so it's like you get, you buy the, you buy the Curse of the Yellow Sign set, and that gives you like the first chapter in that story. And then you buy the other six smaller expansions that progress you through to the end of that story. And so there, there are two sets of those. So that's two, two scenario sets and then two main scenario sets and then a dozen of the small, smaller packs. And I think there are a couple of, standalone small packs. Uh, and of course, I mean, there's more of them coming out all the time. That's cool. It's cool that it's an active development. I kind of want to put myself in cryostasis for a few years and, and just like, because fantasy flight is going to keep making versions of Arkham horror that are 98% as complicated as the previous version <laughs> and eventually they're going to get to something that i want to play this this is i mean this is pretty uncomplicated apart from the way it, it, it apart from the way the skews are all broken up uh it's it's pretty straightforward and pretty flavorful it, it's about on complexity with uh elder sign i would say i never figured out the basics of how to play elder sign hmm. i really well, should just like you were you were playing it using that app right the, the uh, elder i tried sign both phone app oh, okay because i i remember um playing elder sign as a board game and having no trouble with it and then a few years later saying oh yeah i kind of enjoyed that and i got the app and the app was mystifying hmm. um and i don't know if it was just like worse tutorialization than just reading the manual was um, it, but it is, it is a lot more straightforward to have, you know, here are some dice, roll them and then put the dice on these cards, then push this button and then push this, this button and then this button to assign this to this. And yeah, that might've been it. 
Yeah, with the app, it seemed like there was some core verb that I was missing that would allow you to ever complete any challenge. The verb is cheat. <laughs> yeah, which is much easier to do with a regular, like, physical board game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guys, I played a ton of video games. Let's, Let's hear it. it. Uh, so, yeah, tell us one about that them. I played. One that I played for just one minute. Uh, I played one game of today, but that was really surprisingly clever. Uh, it is called Tix Tax, and you can play it online at tix.tax. Um, and it is, it is just a two-player tic-tac-toe game, but imagine a tic-tac-toe board where each square is a smaller tic-tac-toe board. Play alternates between the players. You make a move on one of the boards. And whatever move you make on that board determines what board becomes available to your opponent for them to make their next move on. So, like, if you if you put your piece in the top left corner of the center board, then your opponent gets to move on the top left board. And then wherever they move that's where you get to move next. And if they complete a a tic-tac-toe win in one of the boards, then your next move can be on any of the boards. Or if they move to a square that would correspond to a board that's already finished, then you get to move on any board. So it it just turns tic-tac-toe into this weirdly, deeply strategic thing uh, that I was really impressed by. That sounds like I'm not doing a super great pen and paperable as regular tic-tac-toe is too oh yeah absolutely yeah nothing changes about the board state like there's there's absolutely no reason you couldn't play it with pen and paper you just have to kind of keep track of you have to keep track of where the last move was Mm -hmm. because it would be real easy to To really easy to miss but yeah it's i i was i was if you had told me hey you're gonna find a thing today that's like a good like a really compelling thing based on tic-tac-toe i would have said the hell you say charlie (laughs) Um, but turns out you're right, Charlie. Thanks for telling me about ticks.tax. Uh, <clears throat> last week I <coughs> played, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, I played all the way through, uh, Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Ruin, the VR Psychonauts game. Oh yeah. Uh, I played most of that. I never got around to finishing that. Maybe I'll do that yeah, they just before re- I start, uh, abduction because I'll be, I'll have the helmet on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> They released it's it for, like two hours uh, for long. Vive, right? Like, it it's had very been, good. It had been uh, it had been PS4, PSVR only. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, yeah. So I played it. I played it on the Vive, and it's it's good. It is it is like a about a two hour experience. It is a seated VR experience, which I have I have come to believe very that nice. that is just the way yeah. that VR should work. Please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about banging my my fist into my bookshelf and knocking a bunch of shit over. Yeah, and also just for for whatever, like being able to lean your head back makes it easier to have the heavy mm-hmm. mask on for a long period of time. Um, it's good. It's it's very Psychonauts. It's very well written. Yeah. It's it's funny. Uh, it's the character designs are fucking horrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I hate everything about how every living thing in that game looks. <laughs> but 
but the environment the environments are cool the yeah. interactions are pretty like the the verb set that you have is is pretty clever like it's a, like well this makes a lot of sense as a psychonauts game and this makes a lot of sense in vr and there's just tons of just funny easter eggs just like yep. you'll do something and they'll react to it in a way that just feels very intelligent and very comprehensive like it sounds like they got all the original voice actors too it 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 totally just feels like an extension of the original psychonauts yeah yeah i mean so, you know they're they're working on psychonauts too uh i saw they're, them they, they just announced a bunch of jobs that they're hiring a bunch of too. job postings yeah i just saw that right before we started recording um so yeah i'm excited about that i i i am guessing you know what i would really like is a remake of psychonauts one with modern uh game design sensibilities as opposed to it being a also a difficult 3d platformer <laughs> um maybe we'll get that someday i played some of so we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before but uh cory and Lori cole who made the original like heroes quest slash quest for glory series kickstarted a game and i think have long since run out of money and are years past their deadline uh, because it ended up being a disaster. But they have finally gone into beta uh, and everything about the game is done except like the some cutscenes and the title screen sequence and stuff. Um, Hero U, Rogue to Rogue. Yeah, Hero U, Rogue to Redemption. Yeah. It, like, so it is... It's like an adventure game where you kind of move around to space and you you have some RPG stats. I haven't really played into it far enough to see like how that uh, factors in. But it's you 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 run around, you interact with things in the environment and that starts little dialogue tree things um that are, you know, just you interacting with these objects. And it you know, it sounds like something I would like. It sounds like something I would make. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think it's very good. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah. Is, it, is the writing I, I, the issue or what's the... Boy, it it is unbelievable. Like, the, the density of... Like, I like puns. Like, I really like puns. You guys know that. But the <laughs> density and quality of the puns in this, they're, th- like, they're just nonsense. Like, they, Aww. it's like they started with the pun and decided what the sentence was. Like, they decided what was going to happen in the game based on just, like, a bad, like, uh, man, it's... I, I, I wish that it were so much better than it is. <laughs> I, I, I didn't write down any of the particularly like egregious offenders. Cause I don't like, I'm also not like super into like pun shaming somebody. Right. Cause I mean, that's like, I get it. Like I'm a ways down that road, but it's, it, it just feels so forced. Like, I don't know. Like it just, it, it reminds me of just like, the most annoying guy at the Renaissance Festival became a video game. <laughs> um, this so, was this was the same couple of people that made the Sierra games, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Heroes Quest. Uh, uh, and I wonder, right. like, 
Yeah, I wonder if like this this is how this writer's sense of humor just evolved over the course of his life and the tenure at Sierra was like the optimal time for it to be exposed to the world. <laughs> yeah. And then it just got overripe later. I mean, those games were a little silly at times, right? But they weren't they weren't just like Every sentence deliberately has the most, like, groany-ass pun. It, uh, man, it, like, the the extent to which it was just relentless and low quality, I was not prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> it's also possible that, like, it, it, it would have turned out that way at Sierra, but there was some tempering factor at work, like, beta testing. Yeah. Or editing, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I also played a couple hours of a game called Valley, which uh, that seemed, that's a bad name for a game, I think, because it's, I bet it's difficult to Google. It's one of those things, like, I always feel like if the website for your game has to be the name of your game, game.com. <laughs> what if it's dot .game? Well, Valley that's too expensive. Game. And you can't even actually ha- you can't even buy them yet, can you? Oh, you can't. I thought you could like pre-order them for like three thousand dollars or something. Oh dang! Um, you know, I mean, FirewatchGame.com, you know, TacomaGame.com, whatever. There are there are times when it works, but anyway, Valley is about uh, you. You are. I don't remember. <laughs> you you. Go to, I think you're in South America, maybe, like a, you're in a, an undiscovered part of Earth, and there's a bunch of stuff that I think is from the 50s, but one of the things from the 50s is this insane sort of like fallout level of technology exosuit that you find that gives you the ability to sort of parkour around these natural environments and these alien ruins. Um and you're collecting a lot of orbs. Um, it has this kind of cool mechanic where it's, it sort of reminds me of the HBO show Carnival. You have this battery in your suit of life energy and you can like point at a tree and right click and the tree becomes a dead tree and you get some life energy and then you can point at some flowers and release life energy into them and they bloom. Um, and there are, like gates in the environment that require trees to be very healthy for the gates to open. So there's a lot of just like sort of moving around of life energy. Um, you get like the more trees you bring back to life, the more of these sort of golden glowing acorns you get. And there's all these doors with power ups behind them that open via acorns, uh, having a certain number of them. Um, it's, feels really good to move around in the in the exosuit because it, it, you just go really really fast and can jump really far and the controls are pretty good it's it's sort of i haven't yet found anything that you have to fight although it seems like maybe there is some stuff like there's there's you get to a point where there's like these like swarms of bees that you have to placate by feeding them life energy um but that's as close to uh combat as there's been so far 
I don't know why this popped up onto my radar. It's like a couple years old. I think maybe it just popped up because it was on sale and Steam thought it was something that I would like. And, Valley, and, uh, Valley.game is available for $400 a year. Only $400 a year. That's yep. too much. I think that's the... That's too much. That is the going... They could also get Valley.farm for $41 a year. No. I... Have you ever seen a .game URL? Uh, out in the wild? Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head. It seems like whoever bought dot game feels like it was gonna they were gonna have a monopoly on video game websites, but they have made them so expensive that there is zero adoption. That is true. Uh, and the last thing I played was a thing that just also randomly popped up in my Steam recommendations list called Myrn M Y R N E colon the Quest. And the first Mern looked like a, it looks like it was like a top down sort of Zelda action RPG thing. And this is a first person, like fantasy, kind of open world ish adventure game that is slightly higher than Minecraft level production values. And, uh, it has made me. I don't love this game. Like that, the the writing is not that great, and the stuff that you're doing is is relatively uninspired. But what it really made me want to do is make an Elder Scrolls game with Minecraft level interactions and hmm. uh, and production values, because it this game proved to me like, oh yeah, this would totally work. I would totally play a giant open world action RPG in first person with this level of graphics. Um, yeah, you know, you, there's some, you hit, hit skeletons with a sword or you shoot a bow at them. Does it have like, uh, like Minecraft style destruction and crafting and building? Or? No, no, it doesn't. I, and I really, if you looked at this, and said that it was like Minecraft, I would probably say, well, it's not really like Minecraft. <laughs> um, it's just very low poly. What's it it looks like it? it's about eight hours of content or so. Myrn, M-Y-R-N-E. Yeah, if you, if you opened up the world and added some systemic stuff, like, I don't know. Let's make an Elder Scrolls game. Uh... We, we let's we just did. make it's just set in the wild west and doesn't well, let's just make a game let's just make a game that is that is like this game but we just call it elder scrolls six <laughs> <laughs> and then if cable, if that, cable maybe we could yell at us we could say scrolls <laughs> oh the older the older I, I don't think you could though because even the name Scrolls by itself was uh, went yeah, to court they had for that, years. That fight over with, over that with Mojang. What was the? Yeah. Let's call it the older result? skulls. Didn't, didn't Mojang win that? I think, or they, or or did they just settle? I think. I think the, they got to keep calling it Scrolls. Yeah, but I, it's possible that they there was a bunch of money exchanged. The lawyers definitely made a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, older skulls. Uh, well, do you uh, do you guys want to uh, do you guys want to make this video game with me? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's learn. Let's just learn 3D level design. How hard can that be? 
Do I have um, to do I that. have to write jokes in 3D? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. You uh mm. Do you guys want to talk about the assignment instead of making a new older skulls game? Do you guys want to uh talk about the, our assignment Blaster Master? That sounds easier. Sure. Should we see about maybe getting Jim back on the call? Oh, whoops. Hey, buddy. Hey, I'm back. Hey. I missed you. Yeah. Uh, my I, So I was trying to figure out what was happening, and it turns out my phone overheated because I was trying to charge it while I was on the phone, and apparently that's too huh. much. That does not so seem like I'm a I'm no longer trying to overheat. charge the phone. Okay. Uh, well, do you want to talk about the assignment, Blaster Master for the Nintendo Entertainment System? I didn't or miss Famicom? it. All right. Let's do that. Um, so this is a game, uh, that is a bunch of different things all at once. Uh, you're running around in a cool tank and it can jump and later fly. And then sometimes you get out of the tank in a side scroller and you're a vulnerable little dude who can then go into buildings where it becomes a sort of a bad Zelda style top down, uh, dungeon crawl. Yep. Um, I was interested in this game as an assignment because I always felt as a kid like, boy, if I were better at this, this game has a lot of potential and probably really goes some places. And I I think having spent a couple of hours with it, I played about halfway through uh, the game enough to, I think, get a sense of, of everything that it was doing. And uh, I don't actually think that it delivers on the promise that it insinuates. Like it yeah, takes you I, to I, a yeah. bunch of places, but they're all pretty much the same place. Yeah, and there's not really there's almost no reason to go into any of the little dungeons. Yeah, that well, was there, kind of such a thing. There's when you'd get to the well, end of a some thing, there would be nothing there. Except some of they're them there there's a boss ammo. there, and that's how you advance. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Some of them are important, but the stuff that you get in the others, it's like there's just a lot of tedious like shooting rocks in the hope that one of them will have a power up in it. Yeah, yeah. A I, power I, I up feel like that, this... that you will lose all of your power ups the next time you get hit, which sucks. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's I, not I feel that, like this it's not game that bad is because you just like, lose this one. Game, this is one of those games rank. that like had a lot of promise, but is a lot closer to like delivering on it. Like is a lot closer to like Deadly Towers than to the Legend of Zelda, where yeah. there's a bunch of cool ideas here, but is not really executed very well. I wonder. I, it, we, I think we it should wanted... have also played the recent remake of it. I wonder if it if huh. that improves on on these things at all. Because it seems like they wanted to make a Metroidvania style game, but the the level design and the the power up design just didn't really do any of the things that make yeah. those games good and fun. Yeah. The move, yeah, there wasn't the enough like kind of squirrely for that degree of platform jumping and yeah. yeah. The the fact that you have 3 lives is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, the save mean, states is not so bad, but right. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to it's hard to kind of put this in context, right? Like when this this game is from like 88 or 89. Did it like, predate Metroid? I don't think so. I'm no. pretty sure it came after both Metroid and The Legend of Zelda. 
you know, which doesn't mean that they necessarily had time to be significantly influenced by those games. But it's just like thinking about it like, well, it would be cool if there were more places to like, you know, more little hidden places to go that you could unlock with the power ups that you got, except that I can't imagine what would be in those places that I would care about, you know? Hmm. Well, like, like, how does Metroid do? Metroid, like, lets you upgrade your energy system and your... Yeah, uh, like, you couldn't just solve it with level design. You'd have to... You'd have to solve it with like the sorts of things you find. The, yeah, system systems design is what it would it would take. Like yep. it would have to feel better to move around, right? I mean, like as a because like Symphony of the Night, just jumping and hitting dudes with a sword just feels really good. Yeah, and in this, it's like well, like this game more than any other Nintendo game I ever remember playing has like such like enemies are constantly spawning like well inside the borders of the yeah, screen yeah. in a way that was just like, yeah, I don't know. It, it just, it, it felt Jack. rickety. It looks yeah. really nice, but it feels really rickety. And yeah, I don't know. It, it's like, it's kind of an open world. Like you definitely have to do a lot of like weird backtracking and shit, but yeah. like Jesus. there is never, like, including, like, sort of after level three, backtrack all the way through the entire video game. Well, yeah, and not include at all. Like, you have to figure yeah. out somehow that you go back to the very beginning of the game and then climb. I think th- I think it, that that's like, where I got stuck as a kid. I think I got to the end of level three and then just, like, kept looking around, like, level three for a level four and never found it because I didn't think, oh, shit, I should just go back to the very beginning of the game. Yeah, which which is a great, like, if you hear that in... From a, from a friend in the schoolyard, that's a great, like, sure. solution to that mystery, but, like, it's not good game design. I, so I was thinking of, like, what would it take to make this into a thing that I liked? And I was imagining, okay, well, what if there were a lot more little diverticula that you could go to, a lot more hidden areas and stuff, and let's see what's in them. Well, sometimes what's in them is NPCs that will tell you clues about where other stuff is or whatever. And sometimes it's like, oh, you get some money, and instead of you finding power-ups by just shooting interminable bricks, yeah. sometimes there are stores inside the dungeons that you can mm-hmm. buy power-ups and stuff from. But then I realized, oh, wait, I've actually just described Castlevania 2 which <laughs> yeah. was also not very good <laughs> but but oh. not for the well, reasons you're describing was, though yeah Castlevania 2 was bad for a different reason which was that the NPCs lied to you <laughs> so I was assuming that if I added NPCs that they would just lie <laughs> did, the you, did any really of you good. actually get through to the, the last level to the 8th area not this time around. I did that like in my nesticle days. I finished this game. Yeah, I quit when I got to the beginning of level five. I think this time around, it, the last level gets or the last area gets just brutally difficult. Um, you, you have to you get these power ups that allow you to like climb on walls, uh, but they actually just make the controls worse. Yeah, that's something I remember being the case edge. that like you can no longer like you no longer have the leeway you used to to go a little bit off the edge before jumping because yep. now you 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 turn the corner and now you're cl- rolling down the wall instead. Yep. It's bad. That and already then, felt pretty pretty rough in terms of like I was constantly driving off the edges of platforms thinking that there would be enough coyote space. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh 
and then they, uh, on the on the eighth area, they fill a lot of holes with spikes that do tremendous amounts of damage very quickly to your tank. So, without save states, I don't know how you would actually beat this game. It seemed just brutally unfair. Maybe you'd use a game genie code. Hmm. Games with actual uh, well, just mazes in them are, I find, not usually very good like adventure i enjoyed that maze as a kid but in part because you got tools to sort of break the maze with the bridge and stuff whereas this game just had a bunch of levels that were effectively just mazes some of them literally just mazes and it just and also the the limits of the atari 2600 made it so the mazes were all symmetrical and like it was pretty easy to figure out how to get through them you know sure um, I just don't remember it being that. And you move fast and like, yeah, it's, yeah. Yep. I, I'm glad that we went back to this because now I know at least instead of like thinking, oh, someday I should go back and really give Blaster Master a shot. Now I know, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, except I had a fun conversation with my buddies about it. Uh, so for our next assignment, uh, we are going to play uh, the game Tiny Bubbles, which was just released for Steam. Yeah. And I think it's, is it out on iOS at this point? I think it might be. I can double check. I don't know that this is going to be like a real conversation starter. It's more that I want to support the folks who made it because they are real nice. And it's at one cute. point, uh, the guy loaned me an HDMI cable when we really needed it at PAX. And <laughs> it is a, it is an immensely well-polished and just satisfying game to play and uh yeah no i i hope uh like i hope it's a i hope it's a big success for them they won uh they won an award at south by southwest for it which was cool yeah. what, what was the award best mobile game best mobile game yeah okay uh, before we go i would like to point out that uh if you have fond memories of the master of the blaster master soundtrack um you should check out uh, Schnabubula's alternate reality Blaster Master music, where he um, at, makes new music in the style of the uh, songs from the original game. Ooh, what? Where? Where can we find that? I send think, me a link to it, Jim, and I'll put it in the I, show notes. I believe it's just on YouTube. I don't think he's selling it anywhere. Yeah, I'll send a link. Tiny Bubbles is. Did you say his name is Schnabubula? Schnabubula. S. H N A B U B U L A. That is a very strong name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 329 of Video Games Hot Duck with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And I hope that one of these days we get an actual fucking studio. Yeah. <laughs> we can start having dinner and again. Listeners, I hope you'll join us. And yeah, and I hope we'll be well, I hope we'll be better fed <laughs> than we are now. Um, and if you do, uh, maybe you can have some of our appetizers, uh, if we don't finish them. And if nice. you don't, uh, teach a man to fish. Kakaboo boobalaya. Good night. Time for emails. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>